Welcome to the Matt Morgan Coaching Podcast. The fact that you're listening means you're ready to be inspired and empowered to take your life, love, and leadership to the next level. What's up, everybody? It's Matt Morgan. Welcome back to a brand new podcast. Today, we continue our series around understanding a framework of the world religions, and we hit the religion of Islam. Now, Islam, you guys, has 1.8 billion people that are its followers. It's the second largest religion in the world, and yet it's actually the fastest growing today. And what's unique about Islam is that historians agree that Islam originated in Mecca and Medina, which today is modern-day Saudi Arabia. So that's the birthplace. The religion started back in the 7th century AD, so that's about 600 years after Christianity was founded, making Islam the youngest religion between the five that were looking at. And so Islam historically is birthed out of the prophet Muhammad. You got to know Muhammad because he's the central figure prophet who lived in the 7th century AD. However, it's important to understand that Muslims believe that their religion did not launch with Muhammad, but it was the original faith of others that they regard as the prophets. Okay, so Islam has a lot of connections and is really birthed out of, which we'll talk more about in a moment, of Judaism. And so it has connections with Judaism and the Judeo Christian world. And so they have prophets. The prophet Abraham, Moses, Noah, even Jesus are all prophets that Islam tips their hat to to say, yeah, those guys are good. Those are prophets. But Muhammad is the main one. So Muhammad, he was born in Mecca, Saudi Arabia in 570 AD. And Muslims believe that he was the final prophet sent by God to reveal their faith to all mankind. And so according to Islamic texts and tradition, an angel named Gabriel visited Muhammad in 610 AD while he was meditating in a cave. And that angel ordered Muhammad to recite the words of Allah. God or Allah is the same similar words. They call God Allah. Jews call it Yahweh. And so anytime you hear the word Allah, that means God, okay? So it's a monotheistic religion, meaning with the belief in one God. And Gabriel, by the way, that angel, you'll see him show up in the Christian text. So same angel, different purposes and thoughts of how Gabriel spoke to different prophets. And so Muslims believe that Muhammad continue to receive these revelations from Allah through the rest of his life. And so starting at about 613 AD, Muhammad began preaching throughout Mecca and the messages he received, he would give to other people. And he taught that there was no other God, but Allah and that Muslims should devote their whole lives to this God. And so the central theme around Islam is that Islam means surrender or submission to God and followers of Islam are called Muslims, okay? Now, their most important text that they subscribe to is called the Quran, all right? And so the Quran is the teachings of the Prophet Muhammad as an expression of surrender to the will of Allah. Now, there's other texts as well. There's the Hadith, which is an important book. And then also, Muslims revere some material foundations from the Judeo-Christian Bible, because again, there's a connection here. And so, Followers of Islam, theologically, they aim to live a complete life of submission to Allah. And they believe that nothing can happen without Allah's permission. If they do, still believe in free will, but it's all about Allah's will. And so Islam teaches that Allah's words are revealed to Muhammad through Gabriel, as we just mentioned. And so Muslims believe that Muhammad's scribes then wrote down these words. And that's important because Muhammad actually was never taught to read or write. And 
And so somebody else needed to do that for him. And so this book, the Quran, was written in first person, speaking through Gabriel to Muhammad. It has 114 chapters, and scholars believe that the Quran was compiled shortly after Muhammad's death under the guidance of the Caliph Abu Bakr, which we'll talk more about here in just a moment. Now, Muslims believe that there are several prophets that were sent to Allah's law, okay? And they respect, again, some of the same prophets of the Jews and the Christians. So Abraham, big figure, Moses, Noah, Jesus. But they just contend that Muhammad is the final one. And so the story goes like this. The whole foundation, and this is where Judaism gets credit, is that it starts with Abraham. And Abraham, in Genesis, has these two sons. One of his sons, he has multiple sons, but one of his sons that the Muslims emphasize, and this is where the offshoot comes from, is through Ishmael. So the whole religion is founded from Abraham through the son Ishmael, and that's the one they emphasize, whereas Jews emphasize Isaac, the one who Abraham was going to sacrifice for God. God stops him right before he's going to do that to say, I see that you are going to submit or follow me. And so this is really big for Jews, for Christians, and for Islam. And that's the connection there. All three religions historically are predicated on the same Abrahamic foundations, but then they split off into those different directions historically and theologically from there because of Isaac and because of Ishmael. What you need to know now is that followers of Allah, they pray and they recite the Quran on a regular basis. They believe that there will be a day of judgment. And so there is a life after death theologically. And a central idea of Islam is called jihad, which means struggle. And that term jihad has really been a negative term in mainstream culture today because it refers to the internal and external efforts to defend your faith. And although rare, this can include include military jihad if just war is needed. And so obviously there's a small group of people that have gotten the most amount of press as the jihad, the holy war people that are actually killing people in the name of Allah. But remember, and you must understand this, this is the minority, not the majority. It's usually the people that make the biggest noise that actually get the most press, but it doesn't mean it's the most amount of people. All right. Now, going back to the foundations, after Muhammad passed away, Islam began to spread rapidly. And a series of leaders known as caliphs became successors of Muhammad. And this system of leadership, which was run by the Muslim ruler, became known as the caliphate. And the first caliph was Abu Bakr, who we just talked about just a moment ago. That's Muhammad's father-in-law and close friend, and the one who is thought to actually be the main scribe of the Quran, which is pretty cool. Abu Bakr, he died about two years after he was elected and was succeeded in six. 34 by the Caliph Umar. Umar was another father-in-law of Muhammad. That's right, Muhammad had more than one wife. <laughs> now, here's how the caliphate system works. When Umar was assassinated six years after being named Caliph, Uthman, Muhammad's son-in-law, he then took that role. And Uthman then, he was also killed. And Ali, Muhammad's cousin and son-in-law, was selected as the next Caliph. So, notice that word, Ali. We have this word Muhammad Ali. Muhammad Ali is not his actual name. He actually converted to the Muslim faith through the Islam and named himself Muhammad Ali. There's that caliph. That's that central leader. That's why he named himself that way. And so during the reign of the first four caliphs, the Arab Muslims, you guys, they conquered a large region of the Middle East. And so their faith started to spread. So Syria, Palestine,
Palestine, Iran, Iraq. Islam spreads through these main areas, but it also goes into Europe, Africa, and Asia and continues to spread worldwide faster than any other religion. And the caliphate system, it lasted for centuries and eventually evolved into the Ottoman Empire, which controlled a large region of the Middle East from 1517 to all the way to 1917. So the Ottoman Empire ended with World War One. I. I mean, that's pretty cool history right there. Now, all the way from the beginning, after Muhammad died, there was a debate, a debate over who should replace him as a leader. And that led to a schism. Like most religions do, they have, you know, different interpretations, right? Well, the schism of Islam basically separated into two major sects that emerged, the Sunnis and the Shiites. And so if you go to the Middle East today, you talk to a Muslim, they're either a Sunni or a Shiite. Now, the Sunnis make up 90% of Muslims worldwide today, and they accept that the first four caliphs were the true successors to Muhammad. Now, the Shiite Muslims believe that there was only the caliph Ali and his descendants are the real successors of Muhammad, and they deny the legitimacy of the first three caliphs. So that's the difference between the two sects. Today, Shiite Muslims have a considerable presence in Iran, Iraq, and in Syria. When you look at the Islamic calendar, really, it's called the Hijra calendar. It's a lunar calendar used in Islamic religious worship events. And so the calendar begins in 622 AD, which celebrates the journey. That's the year that Muhammad took that journey from Mecca to Medina. And the Islamic calendar indicates that the proper days of Islamic holidays and celebrations, including the period of fasting and prayer known as Ramadan, which occurs during the ninth month of the calendar. Now, when it comes to symbols, you're like, well, what are some symbols? You know, we have the Jewish star, right? We have the Christian cross. For Islam, there's no single one that really represents them, but the crescent moon and the star has been adopted as the predominant symbolic element of the Islamic perspective. Now, the big thing about Islam, and you've probably heard this, the five pillars of Islam are the central way of living. And Muslims follow five basic pillars that are essential to their faith. And these include these five things. Number one is the Shahada, which is to declare one's faith in Allah and belief in Muhammad. That's number one. Salat is number two, which is to pray five times a day. Now, this is what a lot of people see and think of when they think of an Islam, right? In terms of religious tradition, they go to their mosque and they see like, okay, they're praying at dawn, they're praying at noon, they're praying in the afternoon, they're praying at sunset, and they're praying in the evening. Those are the five times a day, and men and women pray separately. Number three is called the sakat, which is to give to those in need. Number four is called psalm, which is to fast during Ramadan. And then number five is called hajj. It is required to make a pilgrimage to Mecca at least once during a person's life if the person is able. And so these five pillars are the pillars in order to achieve salvation and to be able to have life after death. And one of the things that's unique about Islam, which is very different than our Western culture, is that they do not separate religion and politics. Religion and politics are one. So if you go over to Iran or Iraq, you'll see Sharia law. And Islamic legal system is known just as that Sharia law. And this faith-based code of conduct directs Muslims on how they should live in nearly every aspect of their lives even today. Sharia law requires men and women to dress modestly. So that's why you see, you know, head coverings over women and covering all the way up until their eyes. And men as well, they're covered as well. 
And it also outlines marriage guidelines and other moral principles for Muslims. And so if crimes are committed, Sharia law is known for its harsh punishments. For example, the punishment for theft is amputating a person's hand. <laughs> oh, man. And adultery can actually carry the penalty of death by stoning. All right. Now, many Muslims today don't support such extreme measures, but they still exist today. Now, when it comes to holidays, let's transition a little bit. There are two major holidays that Muslims celebrate. One is the celebration of the prophet Abraham's willing to sacrifice his son for Allah. And number two marks the end of Ramadan, which we've talked about a couple of times already. That's the holy month of fasting. Muslims also celebrate other holidays, you know, such as the Islamic New Year and the birth of Muhammad. But those are the two big ones that they really focus in on. And when it comes to worship, they go to this place called a mosque and some important islamic holy places include the kahaba which is the shrine in mecca the al-khesk which is a mosque in jerusalem and then the prophet muhammad's mosque in medina now the big thing with islam today is that in recent years because of 2001 with the two planes going into the world trade center that has dramatically affected western culture's view and really the world's view of Islam. And I think within our culture, we always have like an enemy or a villain, right? In the 1940s, it was the Germans, right? Indiana Jones movies, you ever watch them? It's usually the German that's the villain, right? We have the Japanese villain because of the bombing of Pearl Harbor. We have, you know, the Vietnam villain. If you ever watch Rambo movies, you know, I think it's Vietnam. You have the Russians, you know, as villains in the 80s. And of course, then today, since 2001, the main villain has become Muslims. And so the controversial term radical Islam has become a well-known label to describe the religious connection to acts of violence. And while some Muslims obviously do use their faith to justify terrorism, which is what we're trying to stop, you got to understand, again, the vast majority do not. In fact, Muslims are frequently victims of violence themselves. To be a Muslim today, even in the Western culture, it's got to be hard to go to the airport. People are judging you as you're walking through the security line, wondering if you're going to bomb them. And so, again, for the majority of Muslims, they're so kind. They're so beautiful as people. And so recent surveys have found that in countries with high Muslims populations, the majority of Muslims have overwhelmingly negative views of terrorist groups like ISIS. And so they're not with ISIS just as we're not with ISIS. And so I think it's very important that we don't throw the baby out with the bathwater, that we don't see like, oh, you're a Muslim, therefore you're a terrorist. No, there's crazy Christians, there's crazy Jews, there's crazy Buddhists, there's crazy Islam of every type. Okay, And so while Muslims aim to clear up, I think, these misperceptions about their faith, the religion, it's pretty cool. It continues to spread rapidly. So today, Islam, like I said, is the fastest growing religion. And so experts predict that Islam will actually surpass Christianity as the largest religion by the end of this century. And so there was a massive upswing within this religion. But that's the framework of Islam. So there you have it, folks. That's the 101 painting with a broad brush around Islam. And next week, we will end with our final religion of understanding the world religion of Christianity. So cheers for now, and we'll see you next time. Thanks for listening to the Matt Morgan Coaching Podcast. Subscribe below, share it with your friends, and if you want to take your life, love, or leadership to the next level, check us out online at mattmorgan.com.